everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Doll Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing Fast and Furious, the 2009 Fast and the Furious fourth installation into the Fast and, Franchi- Fast and Furious franchise. A lot of Fs going on right here. So, uh, personal opinion, should have been called Fast 4. I don't know why I just couldn't have said that. But I guess because they want to call it, instead of the Fast and the Furious, it's just Fast and the Furious. They wanted to d- d- differentiate themselves from the earlier movies. I understand that. And in my opinion, it's sort of almost like a sequel slash soft reboot. Again, bringing back uh, what is best known as The Family, um, a.k.a. uh Vin Diesel and Paul Walker into the franchise once again, bringing the director from the previous movie, uh, Tokyo Drift, uh, Justin Lin, uh, previous director, and uh, Chris Morgan is going to be the individual that is going to be joining Justin Lin following this franchise. Just about every other movie past uh, the fourth one, um, so. Uh, Fast and Furious 4, 2009 American action film directed by Justin Lin, written by Chris Morgan. It's the direct sequel to The Fast and Furious 2001, and the fourth installment in uh, The Fast and the Furious franchise. It's inter- interesting, they don't exactly uh, talk about uh, it being a direct sequel to Too Fast, Too Furious. That's almost kind of like a, a side mission in a way, if you if you want to talk about it that way. So, um... Anyways, uh, we, we're bringing back the family, Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, uh, and we got uh, John Ortiz joining as the antagonist. Um, Fast and Furious uh, follows uh, the FBI uh, agent, Brian O'Connor, now FBI agent. Let's just, we'll talk about a little bit how uh, Paul Walker's career, not not his personal career, but uh, Brian O'Connor's career as a police officer is so janky and wonky all over this timeline. He starts off as a cop, then he's not a cop, now he's back a cop. You know, it's like, okay, are y'all going to trust him or not? So, um, yeah, we have Brian O'Connor and Dom Toretto teaming back up who are forced to work together to avenge the murder of Toretto's lover, uh uh, this sort of uh, spoiler for the setup of what's going to happen in this movie, but there's a murder of someone in the family. And so they have to uh, team up to figure out what happened with uh, the murder, and then they have to also go after uh, the drug lord uh, Arturo Braga, a.k.a. Uh, played also it's played by John Ortiz. So... Um, yeah, so it's the first film in the franchise that brings back the entire family. So that's what makes it feel like the most uh, sequel as it, it should be. Because uh, Fast and Furious 2 did not have the family. Fast and Furious 3 did not even have any of the anybody of the main cast, um, with the exception of Han. Um, but Tokyo Drift is out of sequ- uh, sequential order anyway, so it's kind of a little bit weird. Um, so... Um, yeah, it's the first installment after the original with to feature the main cast. As a result, this spawned a shift within the series, chronological order, with uh, developers setting Fast and Furious between the two previous installments, Too Fast, Too Furious, 
and the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift to account for their absences. Uh, Casting began July 2007. Universal Studios confirms the return of Walker and Diesel with principal photography beginning in L.A. in February 08, um, with it being shot in mostly California. Um, let's see. The Fast and Furious was released in the U.S. April 3rd, 2009. Once again, I'm very impressed by the turnaround time on these movies. I always think that it's, it's fascinating that they're able to start basically a little bit over a year um, before and have it completely done and ready by, what did it say, from February 08, they released it in April 09, so, uh, so that's pretty impressive turnaround. It says the film received negative reviews and grossed over $360 million worldwide, and the sequel was released uh, subsequently about two years later. Um in April, once again, in 2011. So this was the movie that I think really took off, uh, first of all, the strange naming of the uh, of the franchise movie names, titles. This is when it became the most convoluted for me personally. Um, but this is also when they decided to really put in some, well, they didn't put in too much money in this. I thought that they put in at least $100 million in this uh, fourth uh, entry of the franchise. It turns out this movie only cost $85 million, but on an $85 million budget, they were able to bring back $360 million in return, which is pretty damn good in comparison to the Tokyo Drift, which in comparison, I've talked about it, basically was on the same budget, $85 million budget, and it made $159 million. It's almost two hundred million dollars less, so uh, yeah, it, it's uh, amazing that they are able to do this. Actually, pretty much on the same budget, and to me, I feel like the Fast and Franchise slowly progresses into more of an action-heavy franchise. I've talked about it in the previous reviews, um, uh, just how this is no longer just a racing franchise about cars it, it evolves into something so much more of an action heist franchise in a way and so this is a big transitional moment um, within the films and bringing back the family i think it all uh, ends up mostly working for the uh, uh, in a positive manner i know it says that it feel uh, it was given mostly negative reviews and i'm sure the mostly negative reviews are from critics in my opinion because i don't necessarily find this like a bad movie at all not even like a little bit um even the not so great elements about it the more contrived elements about it still are entertaining for the most part um and just like the other movies i did a um a live watch through on or tweet through what do you call it when you're tweeting when you're watching a a movie i did one of those i've been doing it for the past uh fast and the furious movies we've actually already gone through all eight movies and i've tweeted a little bit my side comments about it just how i felt about each of these movies kind of how their evolution has progressed in a way and it's interesting actually vin diesel became a producer on i think the fast and the furious franchise after this movie i don't think yeah he was not oh chris morgan was the writer on uh tokyo drift too i didn't realize that uh, i kind of forgot that he had done that so ironically the writing was one of the biggest problems and the obviously the main character of tokyo drift um in my opinion that 
it was a weak story, kind of outdated, made it made people overall look like an ass. No one really was that uh, interesting as a character, with the exception of Han, and they just weren't willing to put the money and time around that character. And so, um, continuing on, um, just kind of explaining how this podcast is going to go. Uh, normally, we have a spoiler. Uh, free and then a spoiler section for the podcast. The spoiler sections are normally reserved for the Patreon members only, um, give or take the the timing of uh, when the movies were released. Um, I'm kind of being a little bit more genuine, uh, genuine, no, generous, I'd say, with uh, releasing some of these uh, podcasts for everybody just because of my schedule's been piling up and I wanted to make sure that everyone has some interesting and listening goodness to to fill their ears with while the next few weeks of this summertime shine are going through. So I just wanted to keep everybody hooked on the Lucky Dog podcast. So I'm going to probably release this one on YouTube and SoundCloud uh, in full length anyways. So um, just for um, reference, we normally have uh, spoiler sections are reserved for Patreon members only. So uh, we'll, we'll maybe might drop drop it full just for you, uh, you know, some of these listeners that have been loyal and whatnot. But anyways, um, so continuing on with this uh, uh, movie real quick, Christian Wagner, Fred Raskin were the editors of this movie. I just wanted to check with, uh, in comparison to Tokyo Drift, I'm kind of doing, you know, back and forth to see how, how they were shot. Um, Brian Tyler, yeah, these are, Fred Raskin was an editor on the previous movie, um, Stephen F. Wyndon was the cinematographer on Tokyo Drift, and we have Amir Mokari. I don't know that cinematographer, actually. It looks like he's a cinematographer for Bad Boys 2, Fast and Furious, Man of Steel, Transformers Age of Extinction, and he's collaborated with Michael uh, Bay, Justin Lin, Zach uh, Snyder. Yeah, he kind of has that specific kind of uh, I'd say grungy look uh, for this movie, at least. It's kind of steel. It's it's not exactly grungy. That might be, I'd say like cold blue steel. You know how Zoolander would always talk about blue steel or whatever the hell that look was? Um, this feels very cold and, um, you know, grays and high blues and that type of contrast with a contrast of like maybe golds and stuff like that. Because just like all the other movies, the majority of the movies, I believe, have this feeling of of place, and the place that they're in always has the location is very much um, usually a character in the films, and I feel like this might be one of the the weakest um, parts when it comes to uh, giving a sense of a location. I understand that the majority of this one is kind of on the border of California and I think Mexico the majority of the time so there are some Latin influences but I don't believe like how uh, the first movie was uh, extremely LA centric and you could actually feel the LA centricness of it uh, number two was the Miami feel number three was obviously the Tokyo feel and number four um, like it, this one's a little bit more diluted in telling us where we're exactly we're at um but still, I think it has a, a unique look to it. Okay, so um, before um, jumping into the plot, we, let's see, I'm going to save my tweets for the 
end of the podcast. So that's what that's what we'll do for that. Um, I do have some recommendations of other podcasts real quick that I've been listening to that have kind of helped me realign what my thinking of these movies have helped uh, kind of shape just overall central um, thoughts. Uh, I've got to say Juicy Herman and Mr. Revenant 7 on uh, Twitch. He's also co-host on Double Toasted. Double Toasted is doing a little bit of uh, Fast and Furious coverage as well. Just want to give a quick shout out to them. Doing uh, extremely funny coverage of these movies. Mine's much more, uh, I'd say like factual and a little bit more down to the nitty gritty of what we're talking about. So if you want to listen to something, you know, a little funny, hopefully those, uh, or maybe just a slightly a little bit more entertaining with a little bit more gas, if you know what I mean. And they got a little bit more juice in um, uh, the reviews. I'm not trying to say that my reviews are any diluted or any different that, or that they wouldn't be entertaining. I'm just trying to tell you that there are other options and there are other great podcasts to listen to that are actually kind of doing the same thing I'm doing, going back and checking out some of the best uh, Fast and uh, Furious franchise movies as well. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to some of the great work that's going on down there with them. Um, but yeah, so be sure to check out all the social medias, all the social medias of uh, Lucky Dog Podcast. We are getting ready to come to the spoiler section for anybody that wants to drop off here. This is the chance. We're going to start talking about full spoilers of the entire plot of this fourth movie and the previous movies behind it. Uh, or before it, you know, one, two, three, four are all apt to be talked about uh, at this point. And so, um, you know, thank you for watching, listening, Lucky Dell Podcast. Be sure to let me know how I can improve on the podcast. I absolutely think that this is not one of the best movies. I also don't think it's one of the worst movies in the franchise. I'd say it's one of the middle tier of the franchise movies. It's definitely... Um, uh, I'd say it's probably fourth from the top, um, right there in the middle, you know, if there's all eight movies are out, so it's probably right in the middle. It's definitely not as bad as um, uh, Tokyo Drift when it comes down to uh, the family, but uh, the look of it, I honestly think it looks about as equal to Tokyo Drift. I, dr the thing about Tokyo Drift is... Of the first three movies, I think that one's the most sleek looking of the films, uh, at least of the first four. Um, Justin Lin and the cinematographer, uh, what was it, Steven something or another, um, they, they did a killer job of making that movie just look amazing and look badass. And they gave them the money to do it on that too. It's kind of a shame that they, the way they spent it... Um, it was not on the, the writing at all. Yeah, Wyndon, Stephen F. Wyndon. I wonder what this guy actually has done past... Uh, okay, so the the cinematographer for uh, Tokyo Drift was Stephen F. Wyndon. He did Deep Blue Sea. Was that with... Uh, no, 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 that's not uh, with Paul Walker, no. Okay, so he did House of Wax. I know the tuxedo. That was with... Uh, no, Jackie Chan, he was, okay, he's the Fast Five cinematographer, and he was also in Fast Six, Seven, Eight, did he do all the cinematographer, wow, he he, he ends up being the cinematographer on the rest of the, of the series, with the exception of this movie, wow, okay, so, it looks like they couldn't get him back for that one for some reason. But um, 
that is pretty impressive. They must have really liked the look of Tokyo Drift to keep having this guy back, uh, Stephen F. Winden. So, um, yeah, this movie is not with uh, yeah, Amir Mokyori. So, anyways, let's hop into the uh, what is it? The spoiler the spoiler section with the plot. We're talking about it in full detail of whatever's on here you know right in front of me i don't have exactly full detail but you know some detail you know of the plot you know just sit back enjoy do your thing spoiler section here we come family here's the plot five years after escaping from the u.s dominic toretto and his new crew consisting of his girlfriend letty tago leo rico santos Kara and Han Lu are hijacking fuel tankers in the Dominican Republic using heavily modified 1967 and 1988 Chevrolet trucks and a 1987 Buick Grand National. Dom suspects that the police are on their trail, forcing their crew to disband and go their separate ways. Um, so before they decide to go their separate ways. This opening scene that Justin Lin ends up creating uh, with hijacking the fuel tank uh, tankers at the beginning is ultra badass. I mean, we have straight up families back together. We have everybody that we've been craving to see. We get, uh, you know, Dom Toretto. We get the crew. Unfortunately, the the two guys that Tago and Rico, uh, they're a little bit somewhat of stereotypes because they don't even give us the ability to really like understand what they're even talking about. If you didn't understand Spanish, um, they kind of make them more like stereotypes to a more or less extent. Um, but this is an extremely impressive set piece. It is the beginning of when they start to show of how um, these tankers, or sorry, of how the CGI is going to be extremely heavily influenced in this movie. Um, not only in this movie, that is it going to look really good, but there's also going to be really spotty CGI as well. So this is when they became uh, a lot more comfortable with doing a lot more CGI, a lot less practical. Uh, and so this was one of my favorite action scenes. I personally think this is one of the best ones. Um, just with the ridiculousness of Dom, uh, you know, say going past the, the the fuel tankers and deciding to go past uh, this rolling tanker, flaming truck on fire and go under it, like, go for the for the family. Um, like it was uh, an amazing uh, set piece. Um, regardless if you thought the CGI worked or not, I do think that there's. Uh, some really good stuff and really not so good stuff. So, anyways, they um, they disband and go their separate ways. Um, with Han deciding to go to Tokyo, um, realizing that he must leave, Dom runs, leaving Letty behind to protect herself from harm. I do feel like this is a little bit more contrived because this is when we start to see the writer's influence of how I don't think that dom would ever leave letty i don't think he would just leave the family in the in that way that's not ever been how we've uh, uh thought of dom he's always been kind of family first ironically you know he's always wanted to be there for the people he cares about water
So three months later, Dom is now residing in Panama City and gets a call from his sister, Mia, Toretto, who tells him that Letty has been murdered. So this was a kind of a, that was a big bombshell. I do want to point out that in this movie, I think with the exception of the newer ones, each movie they keep upping the ante on the attractiveness and of the sexual sensualness of um, Michelle Rodriguez. I mean, she is a gorgeous woman. Don't get me wrong. Gorgeous person. What do you, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, as a woman, she's a gorgeous, she's a beautiful person and as is, but what they do is they try to make her more of the, the, the love interest and the love centric figure for Dominic Toretto a little bit as it's continued on with each of the movies. And, um, I do find it interesting to see how, how she's kind of growing into more of that, uh, not motherly figure, but more of a caring figure because of how tough she was at the beginning of the the series that you start to see a real um, empathetic side of her uh, starting with the previous scene of when they're, you know, making love, sweet, sweet, bro, bro, love on the beach. Um, So anyways, um, the, uh, yeah, he gets a call from Mia telling Toretto that uh, Letty's been murdered. Dom heads back to Los Angeles to attend her funeral and examine the crash and finds traces of nitromethane on the ground. He's straight up uh, Will from Hannibal. Uh, It is kind of interesting to see that they decide to make Dom this ultra high, highly sensed uh, individual who can just replay the entire uh, crime in his head. I was just like, damn, okay. So I, I like how they're kind of exploring the different elements of this world. I don't think they ever have any recreations of crashes in any of the previous entries of the franchise. I'm trying to think. I don't think that there's any perspective shots. This is like, I think the first time in the series i could be wrong but we're in the head of any of the characters so i do find that pretty interesting and that it could be not a hundred percent the truth um you know i don't want to give any spoilers but you know is what we're seeing a hundred percent or is this just what he's uh, you know conjured up in his head um he visits the only car mechanic that sells nitromethane in la and forces him to give him the name david park uh, the man who ordered the fuel. This is uh, when Dom Toretto is going on his full Dominic Toretto uh, bro bro revenge story. Dominic Toretto, this entire movie, when I was watching it, it felt like it could have happened all in his head. You know how I was talking about just a few minutes, a few seconds ago that it feels like the this is the first time we've seen any uh, a, a specific POV shot from any of the characters of him re- recreating the crime scene of Letty, um, Letty's crime scene. Um, this is also just ridiculous and over the top of you know showing how how far the links uh, that Dominic Toretto will go. Um, I definitely could see this happening. It does feel a little bit like it just kind of jumps the gun. Like all of a sudden he's throwing people out windows like, fuck you, fuck this. Ain't nobody stopping me. Everybody's going down. 
Nobody's safe. Um, so um, he gives him the name David Park, and the man who ordered the fuel, he informs him that the only car that uses nitromethane in the area is a green 1972 Ford Gran Torino Sport. Meanwhile, FBI agent Brian O'Connor is trying to track down a Mexican drug lord, Arturo Braga. Um, like I said, I do have some small quibbles about the uh, the Latin representation and the fact that the most of them are stereo- what feel like stereotypes and uh, the majority of antagonists have been Latin and there haven't been great Latin representation in men. Um, this continues. So I, I don't want to, you know beat a dead horse, although that's what it kind of feels like at this point. Um, His search leads him to David Park, and he tracks him down using an illegal modification record on his car. Uh, Dom arrives at Park's apartment first and hangs him out of a window by his ankles before Brian arrives. This is... um, This first hour of the movie kind of feels like the big setup of almost like a television show for, you know, a, like USA or something like that, having like a uh, an, an officer uh, having to team up with, you know, uh, a former criminal of some sort. You know, I, it really, really depends um, on how you look at it. But this first hour definitely felt like that. And it felt more like the first hour felt way more, uh, TV than movie, if you know what I mean, when it comes down to the story elements. Um, and maybe just, uh, not so much, maybe a little bit of the pacing, but just kind of like the level of importance, I guess. Uh, Brian O'Connor doesn't feel like he's, um, you know, he's in the same headspace as Dom at, at this point, until this point, you know. Um, Brian saves Park, and Park becomes the FBI's new informant, Park gets Brian into a street race. Uh, Brian selects a 2002 Nissan Skyline GTR R34 from the impound lot, which he modifies with the parts of another Skyline from, and a 2007 Nissan GTR. Um, Dom modifies a 1970 Chevrolet Chevelle SS for the race. Gazelle Yashir, the liaison for Braga, a.k.a. Uh, Gal Gadot, who plays uh, Wonder Woman. This is when she is introduced to the movie, and it is pretty interesting how, uh, I don't know, like sort of laissez-faire of how much she's like hitting on Dom in a way, like the majority of this. But the thing is, um, you know, Dom is deflecting everything he can do uh, to to get this woman off of her, off of him, he she's like coming on to him on like every other scene, even like in front of like the people. She, she definitely should not be doing that. Um, it it's very interesting to see Gal Gadot not play Wonder Woman. I honestly, in some scenes, I do feel like she's a you know a better gazelle than than an act a better actress as gazelle than wonder woman and some of the wonder woman stuff she looks the part but the the line delivery was not there but gazelle she's you can see her up and comingness and not playing uh, a well-known character definitely changes her ability to kind of deliver the line a little bit in a way i think that there is some sort of uh kind of cheesy or corniness that comes with wonder woman that doesn't come with this character gazelle with it that makes me um like attracted to her more as an actress um 
So this reveals that the winner will become uh, Gazelle. Reveals that the winner will become the last driver on um, the team that traffics heroin between Mexico and the U.S. border. Dom wins by bumping Brian's car into. Sorry, by brump by bumping Brian's car while it is in nitro, um, making him lose control. We have been wanting to see Dom and Brian race for I don't know since the first movie. And we finally get a really pretty interesting race with uh, Dom and Brian. We and I think this is actually when we start to get way more CGI and within the uh, the ten second races. I don't think it was it wasn't a ten second race, was it? Um, I I don't know. I don't remember how long the race was, but uh, but yeah, it Dom ends up uh, winning by bumping into Brian's car, kind of hitting him. With a straight bust a move, like he he just runs straight directly into uh, Brian's tail and has him kind of spin out. Um, which Brian, the entire time he's been trying to beat Dom, and he's like, "Hey, if I you wouldn't have done that, I would have won that in full force." Um, <laughs> um, so Brian uses his power as an FBI agent to arrest another driver, Dwight Muller, and takes his place on the team. Um, so the team meets up with Braga's henchman, Phoenix, and Dom notices that Phoenix drives the same Torino that the mechanic describes. They drive across the border using tunnels to avoid detection. The um the cars they start to use in this movie are probably the most souped up that they get of the series. Without putting uh, full-on armor on all of them. I can't remember if they have like full-on. I think they do have relative armor on the cars at a certain point in this one. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of when the cars become more than just uh, street racing vehicles. And they need them to you know transport stuff. And that's what they've kind of always been. They've always been like heist vehicles. But now they're more like logistics and transporting. <laughs> um so, um, let me see. They drive across the border using tunnels to avoid detection. Personally, I don't find the tunnels always the most interesting to look at. I It's just me personally. I think that uh, they they could have chosen other other ways of shooting the, the cars. Um, I do like some of the shots of them in the sand, but I, I definitely don't feel like it ever really comes into play of why that would be the coolest place to have it. You know, it, it seems like an, uh, a, a relatively easier place to shoot just cause it's all flat, but I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, so anyways, um, let me see. They drive across the border using tunnels to avoid detection. Dom confronts Phoenix and learns that he kills the drivers after the work is done and that he himself killed Letty when she tried to escape him. A uh, standoff ensues, though not before Dom creates a diversion by loose, loosening his car with nitrous, sparking a vehicle explosion that destroys his car and several others, including Brian's. In the ensuing chaos, Dom and Brian hijack a 1999 Hummer H1. Do everybody remember the H1s? Those things were huge. 
Literally, I swear, if you got hit by an H1, you were done. H1 and done. That's what they used to say. <laughs> um, with $60 million worth of heroin in it. Um, damn, I didn't realize that. I do remember them stealing that. I don't remember it was that much. Dom and Brian drive back to L.A. and hide the heroin in a, a police impound lot where they pick up a modified 2008 Subaru Impreza WRX STI hatchback. Um, they subsequently drive back to Dom's house where they reunite with Mia, um, which is a terrible idea if you're wanted for anything. Why would you go back to like the most obvious place? Am I, uh, that was just really obvious. Um, so this is one of the scariest scenes in the series is when Dom finds out Brian was the last person Letty had contact with. Oh, my um, which results in Dom attacking Brian. Like, I would never want an angry Vin Diesel coming after you. I mean, just like the racing we've talked about in the last few ep- the last few episodes of the uh, reviews. Um, you don't want to race Dom. You don't want him on your bad side. He's a friend you would want and never want to have him as an enemy. You probably always want to be honest with him. And, uh, yeah, it if you were... It does feel a little bit contrived that Brian doesn't immediately tell Dom this. I feel like this should have been a conversation they had a little bit before, um, you know, all of this stuff has gone down. Like, Brian does kind of hold his, you know, cards close to his chest, in my opinion. Um, probably should have been a little bit more upfront with him, especially with saying that, you know, Letty was working with um, Brian. Um, so... Brian, uh, which Dom attacks Brian, uh, which results in Dom attacking Brian until he explains that Letty was working undercover. She was tracking down Braga in exchange for clearing Dom's record. Um, Brian tells his superiors that in exchange for Dominic's pardon, he will lure Braga into a trap, forcing him to show up to exchange money for heroin at the drop site. The man who claims to be Braga is revealed as a decoy and Campos, the real Braga, escapes with Phoenix and the pair flee to Mexico. This um opening in a way of like showing, oh wait, the original guy is supposed to be the boss and he's supposed to be the fake boss. Um so, sorry, Braga this whole Braga fake out, I don't feel like exactly lands with the biggest umph. Like, oh shit, it's a decoy. It it doesn't feel like, oh shit, it's a decoy. It feels more like, oh shit, it's a decoy. Um, that was obvious. Like, why would they ever show the real one? And this guy is so fucking nervous. Like, they they can't even get a guy that looks like he's like the legit boss. It's just like the fake boss they put up there. Um. And anyways, why would the boss even do all of the um, this type of um, work for everyone else? That's that would be my biggest thing. Um, so let me see what else we got. Um, yeah, I, I just would never believe that the boss would get would put himself in this much uh, exposure. In the ensuing chaos, Phoenix uh, nearly runs over Gazelle before Dom saves her. Once again, they're trying to push the Gazelle-Dom thing. I don't understand if they just hadn't decided that Dom is not interested in her or if Dom wants um, is 
is still holding out for Letty? Or what was the thinking of trying to push um, the Gazelle-Dom situation? Because it it seems clear that she wasn't going to have any relationship with Han until there was probably a little bit of backlash of like, holy shit, you're going to have Han in the fourth movie for like five minutes and not bring him back? Uh, yeah, that seemed a little bit like a misfire. So they, yeah. Um, let me see what else we got. This is a long fucking movie. Just my opinion. Oh, and this movie was uh, 107 minutes, so it's still under that two-hour mark. Um, let's see. Let's see. Okay, so. Uh, okay, so Brian and Dom travel to Mexico to catch Braga and the Subaru, and Dom's freshly rebuilt 1970 Dodge Challenger race type. Um, and they always have some really cool American muscle for Dom to drive. With the help of Gazelle, who gives them directions as a favor in return for Dom saving her life, which does make sense why she would start to kind of be a little bit more indebted to Dom, um, Brian and Dom find uh, find Braga at a church and apprehend him. Um, as Braga's henchmen try to rescue him in their cars, Brian and Dom drive through the tunnels back to the United States in the chase. Brian is chased by Phoenix uh, ahead of the others until he is injured after being T-boned by Phoenix and pushed out of the tunnels. Um, so this is, uh, I kind of talked about the race really quickly. This final race is is a combination of Sort of impressive, sort of legarious, sort of too much CGI for me. I have mixed feelings all over the board about this one. This one is because cars and tunnels are so easily made and CG, uh, you know, CGI'd, computer heavy, uh, computer generated heavy. Um, it felt like this very last scene with them racing in the tunnels was completely. Uh, it it didn't feel like it had the weight that I would normally want it to. Um, the last couple of uh, action scenes were pretty CGI heavy, and so this is kind of a major example of that. Because I, for one, I don't really believe that they found like a tunnel and really were driving through any tunnels. So I was, I I just had like this eye of like this looks way too much like CGI to me. So. And, and it felt like a lot of times that the, they were just in their cars, um, you know, going, oh, 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 you know, like, like they weren't actually all together. You know, a lot of scenes in the first few movies, I actually felt like they were actually all together. The cars were close enough where you could actually see their faces and they were all together. They might not have been. It just might be in my head. Um, so... Brian is chased uh, Phoenix after he's injured after being T-boned by Phoenix after being pushed out of the tunnels. Meanwhile, Dom jumps from his car into the henchman's car, 1973 Chevrolet Camaro, pushing him out and taking control. This is one of the beginnings of when Dom starts to become what is could be called like a super soldier or a superhero of some sort. He is literally just destroying whatever vehicle is in, taking whatever else anyone else is going, whatever whatever you're driving, he's about to take it, and he's not even about to ask why. Um, you, you don't have time to ask why. He'll kick you right out. <laughs> um, so 
This uh, set this sets off a chain reaction. Um, when his car explodes, this causes the tunnels to collapse, killing Braga's henchmen. Uh, there's one scene where I think that that henchman gets hit by another car. Oh, straight to the dome. That 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 always kills me when someone gets uh, killed when they're like hit by something straight to the face. Um, let me see. Before Phoenix can kill. Uh, Brian, Dom drives out of the tunnels and directly into Phoenix. Um, also, Brian is holding Phoenix by the foot. Just want to be clear that Brian is now like a, an accomplice of like killing like multiple, multiple people um, over this franchise, good and bad. Um, I, I'm trying to think if there's any good ones I can think off the top of my head. Maybe just collateral damage. But yeah, he, he's definitely um, got some dirt on him. So this is uh, Dom drives out of the tunnels and directly kills Phoenix, killing him and aven uh, avenging Letty's death. As police and helicopters approach the crash site on uh, the American side of the border, Brian tells Dom to leave. But Dom refuses, saying he's not running anymore. Despite Brian's request for clemency, the judge sentences Dom to 25 years to life in prison. Um... Brian resigns from the FBI, once again, tattering his random police uh, career, um, and Dom boards a prison bus that will transport him to Lone Pack Penitentiary as uh, the bus drives down the navs. Uh, Brian, Mia, and Leo, and Santos arrive in their cars, a 1970 Dodge Charger, a 2003 Honda NSX and a 1978 Pontiac uh, Trans Am to intercept it. And this is the end of The Fast and the Furious, 2009. Well, um, that was the review. Let me know what you thought about the review. Let me know what you thought about the fourth installation of the franchise. Um this is oh i do have some tweets i want to discuss about this movie real quick it's not too too much um i say fast four hashtag fast four or hashtag fast four uh, with the number this is when the names start to get confusing and uh there's this one scene where brian bucked up shea wiggum oh my gosh just so unnecessary um i i love shea wiggum but he's kind of a hard ass in this um Fast Four is an interesting Dom revenge story. Most of it feels like heightened, more expensive than the first one. Uh, it's, it's about one and a half times more than the first one, if I'm correct. Uh, let me see. They take elements of a police procedure and overlay it with the Fast franchise. Uh, Justin Lin provides uh, an action thrill. However, I do feel a lack in fun. Also, I think the races don't escalate in tension from beginning to end. Beginning sequence was truly impressive. You know, the, the hijacking sequence of the tankers. Nice blend of CGI, thrill, and nostalgia from F1. Um, and like I said, some of the CGI is a little spotty in some places. Um, last sequence looked mostly CGI. 
even though the last sequence looked like it was going to be uh, even though the last sequence looked like it was going to be more interesting and have more stakes i felt like the stakes were kind of all over the place in my opinion um on the positive side i liked the doom buggy mad max aesthetic they have uh regardless of the bumps it's uh, been a fun ride and those were the tweets that we have shared on Twitter at Lucky Dog Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow, do what you can to support the podcast. Five stars on iTunes, uh, paypal.com slash Lucky Dog Podcast if you want to just do an individual donation. Um, everything, anything helps, keeps the lights on, keeps us cranking out some hopefully interesting content for your, uh, your listening pleasure. Um, like I said, we publish all over the social medias, the, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the YouTubes, the Twitches. Um, we got a discord. We have all of that good stuff in the links below. Um, once again, let me know how I can improve. And, uh, just like always, thank you for listening to the family. Take it easy.